0: You ready, Cassie Greener? (laughs) Yeah. Cool.
1: We're here on the 202nd Variate podcast.
0: Yeah. Sean Dunn and Cassie Greener, your hosts, filmmakers, artists, seekers on the path.
1: (laughs) Sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, We we have about the coolest setup I think we could have today.
0: Yeah. We're up here visiting your mom in Maine again. Yeah. This is what, you know, this is what our summer is about. Like, I think things have fucking really changed, so...
1: Yeah, it switches priorities, and... Yeah. Yeah, being, being up here is really good, but all her art's around here, which is awesome and inspiring, and...
0: We're in your mom's basement. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, this is where the <laughs> magic happens. This is her studio.
1: It's, a. Uh, it's definitely, like, I don't even know if you can see those, but she's just... I don't she has themes and, and they're beautiful. So follow her on Instagram flowers, not fascism with underscores. Yeah, so
0: definitely I'm gonna start this off with a a smoke Please to try to mellow out the vibe.
1: I'm already blazed
0: <laughs> Yeah, I know <laughs> Well, i'm gonna try i'll, I'll, meet, you there. I'll yeah. meet you there I'm gonna light up this jamaican spider leg that I rode last last night I'm rolling fat fucking joints while we're Does that here. have
1: Keef on it?
0: Well, yeah. What I did was we have this uh, coconut oil, infused coconut oil that we made. And I just take like a little pinky full of that and I just kind of paint the whole joint. So it's like the whole joint's like a little wet with this, uh, th- this cannabis oil. And then I roll it around in our ample Keef because we never fuck with our Keef. Yeah. So, you know, now we're up in Maine and we're fucking with our Keef. So this thing looks fuzzy and furry. And I dig it. So,
1: yeah, I woke up and I was like, oh, today's the day where I need a little cannabis oil to get me through this time of the month. Yeah. It helps the a first lot, day of your though. Period. Yeah, it helps a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little like, like my <sighs> eyes through this might get like a little smaller, <sighs> but it does like a, l- a little scoop, does it?
0: Yeah, it's funny because, um, I suggest it every month when your period starts, and you always look at me like I'm crazy at first. Right, you know I'm like, hey, do you want to? Uh, you know, you seem like you're in pain. Why don't you take some cannabis? Well, because a whole. You're like Sean. Come on, man. like let's get serious. Oh, because <laughs> <Well>, <laughs> I'm like, it hits you. <laughs> I'm
1: setting myself for a whole trip. You know,
0: yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> well, thank God you got your period, and we're not having a child. that's pretty fucking awesome,
1: yeah, that's the first thing my mom said to me. Well, yeah. that's good news. And we like, keep
0: rolling the dice. I don't know, maybe i I don't have like a proper sperm or whatever, but like,
1: we don't roll the dice. we
0: don't roll the dice, I'm not um
1: i i've this is uh, this is I read, and maybe I'm fucked up, and maybe people will be like, "Oh, they're stupid, but I read that the pull out method is like very effective birth control. And if we could have kids, which we don't know, but if we could, it's worked for us so far, you know, yeah, 10 years deep.
0: Definitely. I'm not recommending it for everyone. You got to have a lot of control. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have fucking discipline. you going to hit this. I guess so. The, the thing just looks intimidating. If someone handed me that somewhere, I'd be like, yo, dude, what is this? I don't even want to touch it.
1: Cause... <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, Shawnee, fuck, I
1: think our last podcast was the best one yet. With your dad. This one's the best one yet. Okay, this one's the best one yet. But that one was pretty freaking good.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're kind of still in the afterglow of that. That that one, um, I don't know what it did, but now that our show's on YouTube, that one seemed to like, the algorithm loved it. Yeah. So that's our most popular podcast ever. My dad telling a bunch of stories about fucking selling fake acid in the 70s and like his journey to recovery and all this wild shit. Uh, We didn't even get into... Like it was honestly the tip of the iceberg. We talked for two hours and it was the tip of the iceberg because in terms of a conversation him and I could have, Mm -hmm. that could be really interesting to people because him and I have done so much healing together. Uh, If, if we got into my childhood and what that was like and you know why he was behaving the way he was behaving and why I might've behaved the way I behaved in response. Like there, there's a whole nother conversation there. My dad's a good dude.
1: Yeah. No. No, we've been begging him for a long time. And then I think we like tricked him almost. Mm.
0: Well, I'll tell you this about my dad. He is a real motherfucker.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. He's real. He's not, um, he's not full of shit. He has been and he can be. Right. But I'm his son and I know better and he knows it doesn't work with me.
1: Yeah. You can smell it too. You can smell when someone's talking shit.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, you introduced me to even the concept of being able to recognize when someone's on drugs, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because I'm just like, oh, okay, that's that's how they are. You know, that's Mm -hmm. their makeup. And you're like, no, no, that's pills or that's heroin or that's this. Mm -hmm. I don't and I'm starting to pick up in it and be like more in tuned and sensitive to where people are at and like what the signs are that someone might be medicating in that way. Mm -hmm. But
0: uh, yeah. I mean, with my dad, it's so easy to tell. It's funny in the comment section on that one. Uh, somebody wrote like, Oh man, I'm so psyched to hear this. It's so great to see your dad strong in sobriety. I'm five years into my sobriety and it's really great to see your dad so strong in his sobriety and doing his thing. And I, I just wrote, <laughs> I wrote lol. I don't think he's strong in his sobriety right now. And, uh, nor would he claim to be, I think, um, he probably was on something during that podcast. And I said that in the comments and I'm, and I'm the only reason I'm saying this is because I think it's important to be honest with people, especially when you're talking about substance abuse. It's not like there is, um, this day that you're on the other side of it. Right. Yeah. It's, it it takes a lot to not, um, want to turn back to that thing once you know about it. And, uh, I think he even touched on it in the podcast when, when he was talking about crack and saying like how he would, I need to have that feeling again mm-hmm. yeah and um
1: no even talking about it with him I, I knew this wasn't true but it's kind of like when you talk to an addict and you start like remember reminding them of how good it was or tapping them into that feeling I'm like oh no this feels like dangerous territory you oh, know like totally. we need to pretend like this doesn't exist Totally. <laughs> <laughs> what
0: yeah but that's not healthy either. No. No. And, and you know, for as much as I think AA helped my dad, I think there's a lot of things about it that hurt him.
1: Well, one of the things that they seem to get right was like taking it one step at a time, one day at a time. Yeah.
0: One day at a time is, that's good. But then what they do to almost nullify that to me and the way I think is it's one day at a time, but then it's, I got 1,232 days sober.
2: Mm-hmm. It's like.
0: Uh, Why are we keeping track
2: Hmm. you got
0: today? You got today handled. I got today handled we got each other's back today like stay grounded in that Not that you can't celebrate the accomplishment of of cleaning your life up Right, but that
1: structure might not work for everyone or be no,
0: it doesn't work for a personality like my dad
1: Mm -hmm.
0: doesn't it wouldn't work for me because I know When we were together like you had never seen my dad fucked up we were years into our relationship And Mm -hmm. you had never seen him uh, on pills or anything suspicious like that. Right. And then one day we're in L.A. and I called home and I heard and I'm talking to him and I'm like, "Okay, my dad's fucked up. And he hadn't been fucked up in seven years.
1: Didn't we go home early or something? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because then I immediately got on the phone with my mom. I was like, what's going on? She's like, he's fucking up. (sighs) It, It was it was one of the worst feelings. Cause I used to have nightmares about that Mm -hmm. because it's, it's funny. I haven't thought about this in a long time, but it was so traumatizing. And so um, I keep using the word wild to describe it because there was no way to predict what his behavior would be or how far it would go Mm -hmm. or the type of phone call you would get. And so once he did clean himself up and it seemed like he was doing really good and he's sponsoring people and all this and he's putting together some real time during his sobriety i would have nightmares that that he that he fucked up right like it would haunt me it would like it would awaken me and i'd be like oh god thank god that's a fucking dream yeah and then to get that phone call that or or to call home that day and hear it in his voice and then get on with my mom she's all defeated just like fuck man and for him like a lot of the Cause immediately he got into his old games of, no, I'm not doing anything. What the fuck, John? Your mother's fucking crazy. And you could just hear it in his voice. Yeah. It's like disgusting. And it's all to protect this idea that he has seven years sober, you know? And, and, and once we do the whole dance, he finally comes around to, uh, not necessarily admitting that cause he's not that self reflective, but yeah. I could hear it. I could hear it. And, I'm like, oh, okay. The longer your sobriety goes on, it's almost like a tightrope for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I just don't know how much that part of the attitude of of that, of 12 step recovery, really helps him.
1: Well, because there's the shame of the shame. Of being like okay now i'm back to one day or whatever yeah i don't know i feel like i might be the personality type to just throw it out and to do it despite people like fuck these four days fuck you guys yeah, <laughs> um, yeah like
0: every three years i'm gonna restart my fucking sobriety clock motherfuckers yeah
1: <laughs> um no but do you think that the uh when they say that you need to hit rock bottom is that in your experience, is that like myth or is that true? Do you feel like with your dad, it was always a a rock bottom thing before he switched? I mean, I just, I I Um, obviously does. I, with all the times that I've seen him kind of dance with it, it hasn't been rock bottom. No,
0: very fucking far from it. So yeah, rock rock bottom was not being able to find him on the morning of my sister Erin's funeral Mm. and realizing that he had, uh, stolen or she, she like really wanted this electric scooter and she died. and My dad just took it fucking was out there just on the streets doing crack. The morning of her funeral mm-hmm. at five thirty in the morning, me and my mom are driving around the streets of Peekskill trying to find my dad. And you know, like that's when you're rock bottom territory.
1: Yeah. That's when you kind of like, you don't, you can't even, it's just like he's not even a person. He's no. completely co opted by Yeah. Yeah.
0: This was after he did he did time in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I don't know the, the, the fourteen months that he had to do behind bars for the for the war on drugs didn't do a thing to rehabilitate him. I think it traumatized him further. It's it's dicey territory talking to him about his time in prison because he he takes it almost like he has to take on like this like tough guy persona like he starts talking different you could see like the veins in his neck start sticking out and it's like it it's definitely enlivening an energy that uh, doesn't help him doesn't help him but yeah the rock bottom thing is interesting because i think everybody's rock bottom looks different and it feels different mm-hmm. and uh not everyone needs to go there. I don't even think he necessarily needs to go there.
1: Well, maybe it's even the myth of the rock bottom. Like we let people <laughs> go deeper and deeper and deeper and think, well, they just, there's going to be a rock bottom that they have to hit, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and for him, uh, I think just a reminder that that could happen is enough to get him back on track these days. Mm-hmm. We just saw a couple of weeks ago, my mom tried to stage an intervention one morning all impromptu my sister's over there and you're there and i'm there and we're uh i don't know my dad was fucked up on fucking oxycontin or xanax or something the night before like looking like he was dead like like he had taken an overdose so we were like confronting him and this and that and it didn't take much it didn't take many words you saw how i there's to something get...
1: maybe about like having hit rock bottom in the past that probably like every revisit to that area is like a new rock bottom because you can just like bring up all like where it could go where you know because it did feel dramatic it felt like you know today you need to figure something out you know yeah we need to figure this out as a family today you know yeah and when that's the deal that is kind of it's it feels like it's using a rock bottom in in a way that's useful and helpful and it's like okay we're not gonna just like we're not gonna flounder in this we're gonna yeah it's all hands on deck now you know mm-hmm yeah. We care about you. We love you. It's you know that kind of vibe.
0: And not playing the to me, the blame and shame game. Not doing that. I, I it's so hard because all your passion comes up, your energy comes up. I become the 14 year old version of myself that's literally just trying to protect my sisters and my mom from this fucking drug freak. And I, like I I become that that boy. Mm-hmm. But then like you know you gotta take a, a few breaths and and get your wisdom back online because my, my wisdom tells me all that stuff that has to do with shame and blame is pushing him further into where he's already headed. And the love is the only tether that'll bring him back. So I don't know that morning I was definitely more on the tip of like dad, man, I, I understand why you use drugs. I understand why you want to, I don't understand why th- the dishonesty about it. Right. I don't understand messing with substances that could ruin your life
1: yeah but once you really can absorb into your bones that addiction is a response to disconnection yeah. it's like okay shame and blame might be the like easy pathway the familiar pathway the the pathway we've had instilled with us because of catholicism or whatever religious it's, it, well upstream. it's also
0: because of capitalism it's his right. fault Mhm. It, it's not our environment <laughs> it's not the society that he can't seem to function in or feel comfortable in. Mm-hmm. It's his fault. And uh yeah that that's that's uh we of as as in most things we get fed a bullshit story and you know, it's 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 on us to kind of use our lived experience to um educate ourselves and get mature and upgrade our operating system. And I'm not a victim of anything. I'm grateful for this. But when you're coming up as a son or a daughter of an addict that's out of control, you're having to update your operating system every fucking five seconds. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're going to become a shell of yourself how they are. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you kind of know how it is.
1: Yeah, no, and I, I, see, I see how he, even last time you were able to talk to him where you're like, okay, I'm just going to cut to the part that, you know, sometimes in the past maybe I've had to do like three rounds of shame and blame before I come yeah. around.
2: Yes, yeah. Yep. <laughs> and now
1: we're going to just try to like skip the shame and blame. Mm-hmm. and uh
0: Yeah. Well, they- I have more lived experience. I know what it's like to be an adult. I understand why somebody would want to check out. I understand... Uh, you
1: understand why you'd want to check out and i think i I
0: said during that and i know my sister my sister megan could barely handle hearing this stuff but i'm like that i use drugs you know that like i'm not against drugs it's the ones you're using the people you're getting them from the whole what they do to you Mm -hmm. i i collaborate with chemical portals to take me (laughs) to a higher state of consciousness that i can then do something about You know, it just shows me a little glimpse of of a higher state of consciousness that exists in me all the time. Mm -hmm. And what my dad seems to be trying to do is blunt that it's because it's too much because he was raised in a way that he doesn't feel fucking safe in this place no matter what
1: totally and even though his son's like you know offered this these experiences and he's shared these experiences with you culturally it's not acceptable it would be nice if he didn't have to say to his son like i could really use an experience it'd be nice if he had a a therapist and other people who were um invested in his like fundamental healing which might require consciousness expanding chemicals you know to give broader perspective Mm -hmm. and i think it's clear that's why ketamine has helped so many people from what I understand with what a, a medically induced ketamine experience yeah. can do, which I I don't think I've ever gone to those depths um, oh, or man. could.
0: Last time we did it, I felt like I was I was in that place. I was like, this is a fucking K-hole, man.
1: Yeah, no, totally. But maybe because I'm not depressed, I don't notice like the difference after so much. I, yeah. And may, maybe if, if you were in a different state of being.
0: Imagine you had been marinating in like a low level depression for a long time. Maybe your whole life. So much so that like it's in your bones. It's in your cells. It's in your muscles. Everything just reacts to this state of being that you've seen your life as. And then you take this chemical ketamine that pulls you out of your body. Yeah, for the first time ever.
1: Yeah, you feel like you can see the larger systems at work or something.
0: Yeah, it's to me, it's not even intellectual. Mm-hmm. You get pulled out of your body, and your body gets a break from all those stories. Your ego's not feeding it those stories. Your cells get a break from it. Your muscles get a break from it. They remember that. They remember the grace that we were come that we came here to inhabit, and and ketamine's just a reminder, but it just gives you a little break. And what's cool about ketamine in our experience is, like, it's a half hour. Yeah. It, it's not a big commitment. It's not something that's going to oh. fucking ruin your day if it's, you know, yeah, it goes you, wrong. We just
1: have one of our friends on who has done the ketamine treatments because I'm I'm curious about how long that is. And because that's probably longer. About. We have a
0: few friends that have done um, ketamine treatments. Yeah. Like, you know, where you go and hook up to the IV. I'm sure we could get somebody to talk about it.
1: Know what else is interesting and we should probably explore further too is, I mean, especially the proof is just in the Oxiana comments, yeah. people saying that cannabis and Kratom either or, or in conjunction have helped them with getting off opiates. Yeah. Right. Totally. That's been, seems to be uh, something that a lot of people are doing, right?
0: Yeah. And more people need to know about it. Right. You know, uh, it's so funny, I went on uh <laughs> you remember this? I took some acid one day and I was fucking flying high and I went on this uh, public access show,
1: oh yeah, that was funny
0: <laughs> it's it's like these two moms who have both lost their sons mm-hmm. and um to to heroin to opiates and i I went on there and I talked to them, and they really connected with me and it was cool I had like a i wasn't i i wasn't on a buzz, I was like in my i was Mm -hmm. in my right mind you know i wasn't out of it but i kept talking about um cannabis and and kratom or kratom whatever you want to call it and they did not like that they didn't like that they wanted to hear more about jails and rehabs and 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 institutions like that they didn't want to hear about ibogaine only one person in the thousands and thousands of comments on our film, Oxiana has brought up Ibogaine. Oh really? Yeah.
1: And what did they say about it?
0: They just wrote the word Ibogaine mm. and I wrote ding, ding, ding. Yeah. One person in all those years. So, so, you know, we, we just need to get this information out there. And I think when we can uh, get over our attachment to the systems that we're currently in that aren't serving us, especially when it comes to, uh, addiction recovery mm-hmm. when we can get over our attachment to those things and start saying, well, if, if nature provided um, the, the opiate, it definitely provided the antidote. Yeah. So why don't we trust that? And why don't we trust some of the veterans and people with severe trauma and PTSD that have been addicted and that have used these things to come out of it? Why don't we trust them mm-hmm. instead of a government who's just, doing the bidding of pharmaceuticals you know you see how when you put in the profit mar- the profit motive how it starts to corrupt and we can't get real information we can't get real healing how many people have unnecessarily died that maybe could have just gone to a 72-hour ibogaine retreat
1: and why is when you get on methadone getting off methadone not a part of the conversation yeah You know, they just are like, okay, you can start taking this thing. You just have to take it forever.
0: I I think I understand that because I think a lot of times the idea of going without anything is too much for the person to bear and they'd almost rather not live. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like you don't want to lay that trip on them.
1: i can respect that, but it does seem like part of that it's become accepted. Right. And I, I can't imagine that there's not profit motive in that. In that reality. That they're yeah. like, okay, we'll take you off this, but we're going to put you on this. It's
0: like Suboxone.
1: Well, that that's that's what I mean, right? That's the same thing. There's no, it's not the same thing. Okay.
0: Um, Methadone is just like kind of a weaker opiate.
1: Oh, Suboxone. That's what I was thinking Suboxone's
0: of. like an opiate blocker that has some sort of opiate in it or something.
1: Yeah, like it makes you... It but it's a pharmaceutical,
0: out. yeah. And um, we, we referenced our movie Oxiana. We should say what that is. Yeah. in 2012 um, I was on a road trip with Johnny Fritz and my friend Colby and we stubble, uh we were, we were visiting Johnny Fritz who's a country musician we were visiting his hometown in Virginia and uh, we were having ourselves a night we were sitting in this fucking the, the, Johnny's neighbor it, these amazing dudes garbage man who's like hoarded all this stuff like he's he built this shack and they just sit in there drinking moonshine so we're just drinking moonshine hanging out really, really on one. And we were telling them that, um, we were on this road trip and no, 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 we were, we were headed to, um, we were headed to like Knoxville, Tennessee for Johnny to buy a new Sprinter van. And, um, we were telling them about that and they're like, you should stop in this town, Oceana on the way. Mm -hmm. And we're like, what's there? They were like, and Johnny's like, Oh my God, I've been there with these guys. It's like ATVs, this and that. But they were were also like, it's a fucking crazy place. Like, you guys would want to see this place. So we're like, yeah, sure. Uh, So that night we fucking pull out of there and Johnny wasn't drinking moonshine. He doesn't really party like that. (laughs) Uh, Moonshine's a different, I could do a whole podcast on it. It's a way different thing. It's a different buzz, but.
1: Wait, do you think it's, sorry. Can I ask about it though? Moonshine? Yeah. Yeah. What's the different buzz? Is it? Because I hear mezcal is like a different buzz. It kind of
0: felt like how people describe that
1: yeah were you, did you get yeah. hungover? do you get hungover from no it? it wasn't
0: a bad hangover or anything it wasn't it was it was very it was like a euphoric sweet almost like champagne like thing just from like a few sips here and there interesting homemade uh, moonshine that had like cherry flavoring in it cool yeah i don't yeah. think i've ever had it yeah so um you were, were like, in oceana yeah we're like cool we'll go stay in oceana tonight you know it's like three hours away from here so we hop in the van Head out. Johnny drives us in there. Why? You're, you. I mean, this place is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're. You know, you've been there a number of times. You're winding through these crazy mountain roads, and it's really scary, really scary, especially with the way that Johnny would drive because he, he's like, he's very confident behind the wheel.
2: <laughs>
0: Wild <laughs> night. Being drunk on moonshine. Finding Oceana for the first time. So anyway, we pull into this town. As we pull into this town, first fucking person I see is a juggalo yeah this is just a juggalo standing there just chain smoking cigarettes and i'm like i'm gonna go over to that dude so i go over to him I'm like hey man what up and you know we start chatting and uh you know i go i'm like i'm gonna go smoke a joint over here and he like kind of joins me We're smoking a little weed we're talking he's telling me about juggalos i'm telling him like yo i just made this movie american juggalo yeah it's crazy that i'm running into you and he's like yeah man and he's like telling us all this stuff and he's like if you want to know the truth man this town you're in right now is all about dope. And my heart sunk. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, they call it Oxiana. I was like, oh shit. Cause the name of the town's Oceana.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's like, they call it Oxiana. And 15 minutes later, he's shooting up into his hand in front of us in the van. It's mm-hmm. crazy, haunting, real. I can remember it like it's yesterday kind of moment. Mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it scared us because we were staying in that town and we were new to that town and there's only 1,500 people there. So we're very noticeable. So I don't know. We chilled. We chilled there for like three, four days, just hung around. And after those three, four days, I was just like, I was telling Colby, I was like, "Yo, this is my next movie, man. I think we just like come here and make a movie about this place. Just talk to the people here. Like, don't even have to add a thing. Nothing... Like this is like simple, simple, simple. If it's true what this kid's telling us and what we've seen is really the case throughout this town, we got to help these people tell their story because everybody that we met was addicted. Mm. And they would even not even really kind of be aware that they're addicted. You know, you talk to someone and, and they're almost speaking down about addicts. And they're like, and me, I just tell, I just take them like the doctor tells me. And I'm like, oh my God. So you'd see this, like... Yeah. It got into every part of society there.
1: Well, because, I mean, the, the doctors are also, like, there's the the pill mills. You, I don't think we ended up putting it in the movie, obviously, but there were these places that would just... people like, just Google.
0: go in there and you ask for pills and they sell them to you. Yeah. It's a pill mill. Yeah. You know, and... <laughs>
1: Pain management clinic. Yeah, they call it, it a
0: pain management clinic or whatever. I don't know if that's still going on. I'm sure it is. Or like a lot of, the, a lot of people became hip to all this shit, but we were kind of on the forefront. Yeah. Even, even talking about what we had come across before we had even made the film, the way we were talking about it was really upsetting people. Like so there, there is no opioid epidemic. There is no problem. Stop it. Don't go down there. I remember people threatening us. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking go down there. Don't don't make this movie. You will be met by Smith and Wesson when you enter this town. The it's scariest and us, man.
1: One of the scariest nights we had though was we like were hanging with these teenagers and there's something about teenagers. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: yeah like, of, of course, get... like the scariest shit that happens to us in the whole making of the movie was like <laughs> had nothing to do with anyone that was on drugs. Yeah, they were just teenagers. They were just like teenagers and somebody was like hey man there's a bunch of people having a huge bonfire at the end of this holler and we're like cool that sounds like i'm just thinking visually that sounds cool like i want to shoot a bonfire under the stars at night at the end of a holler right like, and we go there and it's just like clearly like a high school party yeah and it's so far down this one lane dirt road yeah and we get there i don't remember who but some we had we we had some helpers on that movie that were not all with it they start handing out release forms and these kids are looking at this release form and then they turned on us and i was like why the fuck are you handing release forms to people i think it
1: was me it was probably me yeah yeah cassie
0: you're all like producing i am a producing robot Uh, you know I'm, I'm, i'm like yo no cameras nothing like that we're gonna have a fucking few beers and see if anything goes down and Instead, you know, these kids turned on us and I don't know why we're talking about this, but yeah, they ended up chasing us. out. I just think
1: it's funny how scary teenagers can be sometimes like we're we're in a place where there's like
0: teenage boys scare the shit out of me more than any other segment of society I've ever come across (laughs) because they don't give a fuck. They're fucking, they got fucking hormones racing through them. They got something to prove and they got nothing to lose. Mm -hmm. And I know how I was as a teenager and I wasn't even fucking out of control, but I was out of control. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so o- Oceana is a uh, yeah, send out a prayer to Oceana and all it's all the people down there mm-hmm. because it's a typical American tale of a resource rich area that got completely taken advantage of by big business. Their resources and labor were exploited. And uh, when coal really wasn't the flavor of the week anymore, they got the fuck out of there. And they left this population of people who all that they knew how to do was coal mine. This population of people, they kept the lights on in this country for generations. Yeah. We turn our back on them. And then we're like, why do you have a drug problem?
1: It's like crazy that that's not like the richest area. That, you know, whether yeah. it's you're bottling water or um, raping Africa of its uh, resources, it's, it's this, this thing that these areas that are so rich... Um, don't see that money. Of course. Well, I know, of course, but (laughs) it's still, like, I can still say it's crazy. It is.
0: It is. Yeah.
1: I don't know who should see the money. I think, you know what I mean, but I don't know.
0: I mean, there's a, I think there's a way of going about human life where we don't have to, like, plunder the depths of the surface of this place and pull out things to burn. I don't know. I just think there's a way of going about things that we don't really n- need to rely on fossil fuels, mm-hmm. or the exploitation of labor, or the subjugation of entire populations, or uh, U.S.-backed coups. You know, it, taking out Bolivia's first indigenous uh, indigenous elected leader, we take him out, so Elon Musk can go in there and mine for lithium for his batteries. You know, th- this is stuff, and, and, and he's proud of that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He's proud of it. Our hero, Elon Musk. Everyone loves Elon Musk, right? So uh, it's it's the same old story. And we made that film in a way to not really, like, take a political stance. But I think by making it the way we made it, it, it ended up doing that. Because everyone, nobody could understand why we would really only talk to the people who were suffering. Mm -hmm. Why we would talk to the people who are addicted or the people that are close to them. Where are the experts? Where are the solutions? And it's just such a bullshit neoliberal way of thinking.
1: Yeah, you need to understand the problem.
0: You need to understand the problem. You need to fucking transcend your concepts of what you thought addiction was. You know? Mm -hmm. What you thought people were all about.
1: It's just like an ongoing discovery of understanding each other better you yeah. know like there's not you're not gonna be like we were saying that before we're just like you can't get to the other side of something it's just like no. you're like okay yeah let's get let's understand this like
2: yeah
0: anytime you think you're on the other side of something or you got something figured out like good for you it's fucking total illusion good for you though mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's why we make art that's uh, to me that's why we make art art that that's why it's important for me to go to and set up shop in the place beyond the bullshit in in the place removed from, from the, the dualities and the dichotomies taking it to, being a little bit outside the, the Omega point,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, being able to look at things from a different place than the place beyond the bullshit and make art for, for that place in your heart Mm -hmm. and come from that place. Uh, You know, that's what we try to do. We try to do our best.
1: Yeah. Still figuring out if there's a way to do that with money involved and just hearing what every artist seems to have to go through when financing a project. It it does, it does seem very difficult nowadays at the content that you see created, the art that you see created um, that, that sees the big screens. You, you can see the layers behind it you can see how the studio industry has played a part in the like uh the the myth of american exceptionalism you know or so
0: so is that art
1: that that's a good question or
0: is it um propaganda or uh, propaganda that looks artistic mhm because it, to me we've gone broke many times chasing the muse making our art and uh not that that's what everyone has to do but we don't have parents giving us money. We don't have trust funds. We don't have anyone to rely on in that way. But we also don't have student debt. Right. So we can take some cho We can take some chances. You know, we've we've managed to make an okay living. But really it's been about not having any corrupting factors in these projects that are going to outlive us. Right. And I think what what happens is like, when you get into the frame of mind where you need permission to do your thing, and in our case it would this would be us uh, not making something unless Netflix was funding it, mm-hmm. or, or not going not starting up a project until we had uh, proper financing secured or this or that, you're already fucking in the bullshit. You're in the weeds because the truth is you don't need permission to make your art. You don't need their resources. And not only that, I'll take a step further. You don't want them. Because think about what it does. Netflix isn't making art. They're not interested in that. They're making products. And they're mitigating risk.
2: Mm. When
0: you mitigate risk, you're not going to be putting out groundbreaking art. And people might dig it. But they don't understand what they're missing out on
1: that's probably why comedies become so popular especially on netflix because it is a a way to get into groundbreaking territory yeah i think what
0: groundbreaking comedies you think netflix has put out are you talking about stand-up yeah 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 there's that that's that's the whole thing some of the some of the stand-up you see out there you're like i'm surprised they let this out there right yeah but i don't know it's just the algorithm saying like uh eric andre is very popular give him special don't you know what i mean like (laughs) right whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, capitalism corrupts everything, but it really, uh, it, it it fucks with the, with our culture of art in a, in a really nasty and insidious way that I hate. And that I try to encourage more people to, um, if you're serious about art and you have already known your heart that you're devoting your life to it, take fucking risks, Mm -hmm. fucking go there, show us the way, the artists are supposed to be the ones leading the way, you know, mm-hmm. so, showing us and, and we're trying to do this, what the brighter future that we could inhabit looks like, what it yeah. feels like bringing back remnants from those visions, building enduring monuments to our visions, to the things that come to us, the ideas and sharing those. And, and like Alex Gray says, like feeding the hungry souls. Mm. That's what the artist is here to do. We gotta feed the hungry souls. We gotta keep the spirit of this place alive. We're the torchbearers. Think about all the fucking dopeness that came before us that inspired us. It's our turn now, mm. and we're gonna wait around to get proper funding or to do this or that, or or you know, we wanted to make a radio show. Ideally, that would be on Sirius XM being blasted out to fucking tens of millions of people. Yeah. It ain't going to happen. I'm real with myself. That ain't going to happen. I'm not holding my breath for that. So instead, I'm going to just start making it and putting it out there. And who cares if anyone's listening to it? I'm having a good time. I'm feeding my hungry soul and mine and yours. Yeah. We're having a good time. I mean, I sit down to do Church of Chill. I'm just, I'm just curating songs. I don't even think I'm making art. You're making art while I do it. So many people have reached out and said that's what they listen to when they paint or make art.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Fuck, man.
0: That's so cool. That's so cool. But we weren't going to get permission to do that.
1: Yeah, and permission, the little permission we did have, it might not be there any longer, so.
0: Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we can get into that.
1: No, fuck it.
0: Um, but yeah, like remember when, when adult swim came to us and they were like, oh, church of chill could be like on our streaming network and we do it we do a great episode and they're like, yeah, I don't know. Um, try this, that, and the other thing and let's do another episode. And we did it and they're like, yeah, I don't know. So slowly but surely they're trying to suck the spirit out of it, suck the life out of it, trying to get more hands on the puppet strings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we're just like, nope. We're not doing this anymore. No, thank you. I don't. I don't fucking care what kind of exposure you think you're giving us. It ain't worth it because we're compromising our vision. It ain't worth it. Let's move on to another thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and this is fun though. What you just doing it us setting up a couple iPhones and
0: oh, this show, the very podcast, the
1: very podcast. I'm having fun doing it. Even, I'm having fun doing it too. Even being blazed and that's the best part is that we can just show up wherever we're at.
0: This setup is so small, like people can't really see it, but like it's three iPhones and um a zoom recorder. So this can come anywhere with us. We could pretty much do this anywhere. We really have no excuse not to do it. Besides, we're just not feeling it. And that happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're fucking blazed guys. I, um, I can fucking see it in your eyes. I was I'm like, am like, like, I sound like I'm fucking off on one, and you're no. like, yeah, dude, yeah,
2: dude.
0: <laughs> I'm like, cool. You could say some stuff too. I don't know. You made these fucking films with me. We've done everything. We've gone broke together. We fucking we've done everything that you could possibly try to do as two fucking documentarians.
1: What I'm saying is, it's been like the joy of my life. It's been a blast and I've learned so much and I've learned about who I wanna be and what life's about and every person I've met has informed who I am, so. Yeah, um,
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I guess the real question is like, how do we, and I guess anyone listening to this, how do you access the place beyond the bullshit where you can come from your heart?
1: Settle for nothing less. Yeah. I don't know. You just got to like, we all hit moments of bullshit. You just got to like, gross, push it out, I guess.
0: Yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to let you talk for a little bit and see what you come up with while I smoke. Okay. Let's let's see if you like it. Let's see how it feels.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I can tell when I'm not being myself. And even though I don't really have that much to say, I feel like right now. This is like the most honest place I can be at. Like, um Oh yeah. This is my beyond the bullshit. You know what I mean? If I were talking a lot right now or thinking like I knew it, I just I feel feel good uh and fucking grateful to be on this journey with you. I don't know what else to say besides that right now. (laughs) That's that's what I got. (sighs) I am.
0: Okay. You're grateful. I'm grateful to be here with you. Yeah, that's a big part of it. Gratitude.
1: I like your hat.
0: Yeah. A gift from the very talented cinematographer, Drew Sirocco. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It says DMT, directing movies and television. How appropriate.
0: That's what I do. Nothing to see here.
1: (laughs) art can be dmt though you know you're like oh i just popped into another world and now where am i
0: yeah yeah totally like i think of uh it's probably a year ago now that we discovered ween mm-hmm. drew who gave me this hat beautiful talented cinematographer beautiful soul good friend of ours um introduced us to ween he sent a, he sent a playlist with like 18 songs i don't even know how he could have whittled it down to that or picked those songs or for what reason Sent me these songs after we had been on a, on a trip together And was like you should check out Ween and I was like, I'm going to And I threw on <laughs> some headphones and smoked a joint down in the park and I was like Holy fuck. Yeah. I think this is my new favorite band. Yeah, but when I listen to them it's like you're inhabiting uh, Like a funnier sillier cooler universe mm-hmm. Like you're in on something they did that. They created with music and their lyrics <laughs> and their references like a universe. A portal. It's a portal. It's a portal to weirdness. Right. Yeah. It, that, that's, the, that's the gift of Ween. I mean, I could go on about any artist, but like the gift of Ween is that portal to weirdness. Frank Zappa does it too.
1: richie sure. Richie Brown does it.
0: Richie Brown, who made this flag, who <laughs> designed our Church of Chill alien sticker
1: oh yeah those are so cool
0: yeah richie brown look him up we'll have him on the podcast
1: i hope soon yeah
0: one of our favorite artists just like an inspired motherfucker mm-hmm. who sees the world in a certain way and brings back the goods every fucking time he always blows my mind Mhm. yeah 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 these are the motherfuckers that keep us going our peers that inspire us fuck man
1: Yeah, my mom keeps me going. Like, look at her walls. Jesus Christ. She retired, and I was like, I'm not slowing down for a second. Like, I wish I could have started art. Like, I wish she she followed that path sooner, so.
0: We're in, it feels like a goddamn art museum down here. There's so, she's so prolific. And I was moving stuff around a little bit to set up this shot. There's piles of art everywhere. She wasn't an artist when she moved into this place two years ago. Yeah. She just started. Yeah. You know, 68 years old. Yeah. Fuck. It's so inspiring. Mm -hmm. It's so inspiring. That's why I wanted to do it down here. This room is like, it's radiating with creativity and like, just that, like, let's get it done. This is that place.
1: Know who else is, because you know who else is, let's get it done. Brick and mortar. Yeah. Who, this this is their flag. This is their flag flag for their their band. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: That's like, that's kind of music that just like. Reminds you what it's all about, and kind of is like a compass for like being a good person. Like that's kind of that's kind of the stuff that they talk about in some way. But it's cool and it's real and it's.
0: It's fun. It's good music. It's great music. One of the best shows you can see. One of the best shows I've ever seen. If if there's ever live music again, go see Brick and Mortar.
1: Yeah, or check check them out now.
0: Check them out now on Spotify. Mm Mhm. Yeah, and these people really inspire us, and you get around them. And they have a, weave, a way of seeing the world that's so inspiring.
2: Mm-hmm. And you're
0: like, thank God the system didn't swallow you up and you're not some working drone and, and we get to share in your gifts.
1: Or the system swallowed you up and now you're like, my mom like popped out and retired and was like, all right, well, I got a break. Let's fucking do this. And that's it fucking sucks that we're doing this podcast on the end of what's been unemployment for so many people. And it's it's for us and everything, it's, that's going to become very constricting. But this time I've seen so much creativity from people and, um, it's a time to not stop that, you know, Ramin put something up just, just yesterday or today being like, it's not just the soft and good times for creating. It's all the time.
0: Yeah. And well, and I, to me personally, I think hard times creates a better, more enduring art. That's this is stuff that you know the, the stuff that was was born out of the Vietnam era, the mm-hmm. Vietnam War era. Here is uh, it, it's, it's still some of our favorite stuff. We're obsessed with that stuff.
1: Well, just look at how your perspective and how you grew up and the relationship you had with your dad allowed you to uh, make a compassionate, no bullshit film um, about Oceana and about the people in Oceana who wanted to tell their stories. Well,
0: that's 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 why we did it. Right. Really is even at the time when we were going to make that film, my dad was only really kind of newly sober, but he was doing good. But like I hadn't worked through a lot of the, uh, the anger and the pain and the judgment and all that stuff that was, was still kind of swirling around. And so just being around so many people that were addicted down in that town through no fault of their own, like I felt like I could blame my dad cause I had all this context yeah and I, I had all this like
1: come on, man, like he's weak, and you'll never yeah, be like, weak like that. Well, look
0: at your family, why are you doing drugs? Mm-hmm. your beautiful wife you 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 have a job you, she's got a job like you know what the fuck are you checking out for? I wasn't thinking about kind of uh you know what his internal experience was like and and, and how how hard and terrifying it must be to just get through a day, and being down in Oceana. Before we took cameras there, before we even fucking decided fully to make this film or anything, just being there and just spending days upon days with families who everyone's addicted. And, you know, you're you're like, you start to um, expand your consciousness and expand your circle of compassion. And you're like, damn, man, now my circle of compassion includes people who are drug addicts Mm -hmm. and you let that wall around your heart down and then it makes me closer to my dad Mm -hmm. and now and me being close to my dad right now while he's still on this planet who knows how that's going to affect me it's it's what it's what allows me to function in a certain way it's what allows me to see the world in a certain way so healing that relationship healing it through art so to me that was the only path it was the only thing left to do it was so obvious
1: yeah and that it was just making me think that even like doing this music show where we just like play and devote our time to listening to music and i'm mm. just really feeling it and, and curating experience that makes sense and and that kind of taps into a vibe for what it is an hour hour and a half or whatever um how healing that's the medicine, you know what I mean? Maybe maybe not healing, we're medicating, but medicating in a way that's really healthy for our souls, you know. You you feel yeah. you feel like when you play music it's not just it's you're playing it, you know, for your mind, your heart, your stomach, your body, your energetic body, everyone around you. Like you're just music has just been such a gift to our universe. To, to have that kind of vibration that can affect people and create these collective ecstatic experiences. Yeah. And I think it's one of the more culturally accepted experiences and to not have that right now with not having loud live music is I know it's, I know it hurts me not because I feel bad right now and I'm not like blaming it. I'm not going to music, but I do know that every time that we went to a show, I was like, Oh, like, I can like I like I can breathe again like oh, yeah. I needed church. I needed this this like purifying experience of yeah. just like allowing yourself to get you know mm. ass- I don't want to say assaulted but confronted with waves of live loud penetrating music and you can feel it it's been it's more um powerful for me than any meditation I've ever had
0: Name some shows let's get to it come on what, what, it, you know, now we all we have is Memory Bank. We have nothing on the calendar.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: All we have is the shows we've been to.
1: God, there's so many. Well, the last one, Ween, thank God. Yeah. Valentine's Day on February 15th. Yeah. That was great.
0: Great weekend. Great weekend. One of the peak weekends of my life.
1: Um. There's a Diary of Planet show at Mercury Lounge where it was like six guitars in this small room, and I was like, Gah! you know. Um, awesome uh you know uh, i mean there's leftover crack has done that don't touch your headphones screeching weasel has done that um angel olsen has done that oh
0: man screeching weasel at riot fest what probably 2013
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: remember that the sun was going down chicago they're playing their hometown
1: yeah, and everyone was moshing, oh. but there was so much space that like I did not feel. I was at the like back of the pit, and I just felt like totally safe and zen about it. That's you your know? spot.
0: That's where if you if you want to find Cass at a show, just look to the back of the pit. <laughs> <Like> <laughs> She's this. on the back edge, you know. Usually behind the security guard or something. The <laughs> security guard. <laughs> oh man, bouncing souls and leftover crack and Plow United at the Home for the Holidays shows. Um, in Asbury Park, I don't remember what year. Year that after was. year, like for four inter- years in a row, destroying a hotel room at the Empress. Just then, we were just fucking. Like, we had a crazy party. And-
1: oh yeah, we have to leave like a big tip. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> this never happened. Yeah. You, you wrote like a note like this never happened yeah, or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So many fucking good shows. Tom Petty. Mm -hmm. I've seen Tom Petty three times, Madison Square Garden for his 30th anniversary tour. Um, He played a show at Beacon Theater that me and my dad went to um, where he just played none of the hits.
2: Oh, cool. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah. It was so cool. Mm -hmm. It was for like real fans. It was for like people that know the fucking deep cuts. So they came out and they they did like songs we love, but you'd never hear Tom Petty play live.
1: Did he play like any Traveling Wilburys songs? No no
0: he didn't he should have though that'd be fun maybe he did I'll look at the set list but, okay. oh, and then I saw him and then we saw him together um, a month before he died
1: that was a great show
0: great fucking show yeah thank god we went to that fucking show beautiful night
1: I was cold which is like I just like the whole time I was like I gotta be zen because I don't want to be distracted with being cold this whole time yeah. but it was like I was in a cold plunge yeah that's how I felt I about the whole show I was like
0: yeah just breathe catch my breath breathe
1: I'm not gonna freak out, yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna let this distract me, but you, like at any show, you'll see me now with like I got my hoodie, <laughs>
0: yeah, totally. You know what you're doing now,
1: I don't need to wear a dress to be cute, none of that,
0: mm. yeah. I, I miss those times, but I think that you know, part of me knows that live music hasn't died, the big ticketed corporate mass gathering has certainly died for now, um, but. I'm sure everywhere people are doing it like we always have singing songs to their friends and family.
1: Why is VR experiences not focused like I know where you're like with someone and they're playing guitar and whatever in front of you you're having like a private show with whoever. You know, we put these basketball players on such on a pedestal that we end up that people want to watch them play video games, but we could watch people play music where you're getting surround sound and you can look at the whole band and they're like you can see them all yeah like this but you could really focus in and maybe even zoom in on their fingers or like it would be great for learning how to play guitar if you're like oh i'm gonna zoom in on their fingers and then you can't even zoom
0: in just walk up to it
1: and you know how you know how they can create closed captioning off of our all the content that's put up just by technology they could definitely create a closed captioning like this is the strings that they're playing mm. or the chords
0: oh i see you know? what you're saying yeah sorry wow.
1: this is just
0: no i think there's a really good i want to shoot something like this that'd be cool because i think it could uh it, it would be really it would be really cool to have like a, a fucking huge content base of things like that And it would, it could transcend the way we're used to seeing live music, like everyone facing the same direction to watch this like monolithic band in the distance up on a stage. Like it it could be here. You know, you're creating an
1: intimate experience and maybe you could even green screen it where it's like augmented reality where they're like sitting on your furniture i mean that's like more complicated but you're such
0: a stoner maybe they're you're such (laughs) a stoner right now
1: (laughs) not your furniture but they're sitting on just furniture so they they're in your room but on furniture so you just kind of like want to be in an empty space or out in a field and you like put this on and and then they're just like there with you where you can still enjoy the sunset and the water but you just got like you're getting (laughs) serenaded
0: yeah i'm way into this i'm
1: way into it too
0: I think that it's uh it's an inevitability because I don't think that shows the way we were seeing them are going to be happening anytime soon or church <clears throat> or church
1: sorry, Go, yeah. yeah what were you gonna say?
0: We were supposed to be fucking seeing the uh seeing dead in company today
1: oh yeah,
2: yeah, you know,
0: it kills me, <laughs> yeah, that fucking tears me up. We'd probably be on a nice dose of acid in the parking lot already. It's like early afternoon we'd be out there
1: yeah, no it's a
0: couple balloons.
1: This might that's be cold. a time that's a, a wash, but it gets frustrating the more it feels like there's no concerted, devoted effort. Like, all right, cool. We're all, like, all, like, globally going to stay inside and and all these taxes we paid in and everything is going to support us staying in for four weeks.
0: We They need to incentivize it.
1: Yeah, let's Maybe incentivize we could say, it. Like,
0: is there a band that will reunite if we all behave ourselves could
1: be that band that would be that universally liked oh uh,
0: i don't know i don't know i think that if if uh if Axel rose and slash hadn't gotten back together before all this maybe that could be a good incentive you know led zeppelin i'm i'm not a fan
1: but you be a fan what the fuck are you talking about
0: uh, i'm just we never throw on led zeppelin i don't think about them that that much they have some cool songs and everything but it's not really necessarily my favorite of those kind of groups. Mm-hmm. But if fucking Led Zeppelin said, we're going to fucking go on a world tour. If, if everybody just stays inside for a month, <laughs> I think that
1: that could help. I mean, the only way they will be able to go on a world tour is if everyone stays inside for a month, pretty much your favorite band will go on tour. If you stay inside for a month,
0: they're going to have to, that's the fucking sad part. They're going to have to go on tour. You know, bands that probably hated each other before are like, damn, man, we need money.
1: Well, how are they making, you mean, do you think bands stopped making money who weren't touring anyway?
0: Well, that's true. I don't know.
1: Yeah. They're probably the ones that are only ones that are like chilling.
0: (laughs) Porno for Pyros did a a two song um, live little shot reunion. First time in 24 years that they played together. I just watched it.
1: Oh, cool. How was that?
0: It was cool. Why did they only do two songs? It was cool. I just I just needed a little bit more or a lot more. I don't know. I'm not even the biggest Porno for Pyros fans, but I, mean, I don't know. Maybe I am. Perry Farrell is like a fucking very special human being. He might be an alien.
1: I don't know much about him. Um, he
0: uh, formed James, Jane's Addiction. He's the lead singer for Jane's Addiction. Oh, okay. The lead singer of um, Porno for Pyros, and he created Lollapalooza.
1: Okay, cool.
0: So A lot of other stuff incredible man incredible artist space cadet
1: alien cadet yeah yo aliens when are we gonna see these pictures the
0: aliens are here the
1: aliens are here
0: yeah man they love it aliens know it's their time right
1: <laughs> do you want to see what they look like like if they were like okay you have to pay a hundred dollars to see the picture of these off-world vehicles would you be like first online or you'd be like oh it's cool well, i don't care
0: uh if you if you had to pay i don't i don't care it would be a scam
1: you just want to hear after the fact like i would want to hear what other people are saying about the pictures like could you trust someone else's description they were like one person per family can look at these off world (laughs) world vehicles and then they have to just describe it like a game of telephone yeah that'd be
0: fine you'd let me do it yeah that'd be fine i trust you okay what about what about meeting an alien though
1: Oh, no, I wouldn't do that because I feel like we don't understand their telepathic cap- capabilities. We don't understand. Right. I don't want to get tagged by an alien, you know, where they like, because they could probably telepathically just like tag me so they can trace me where I am all the time. Hmm. And why would you subject yourself to that kind of vulnerability? <laughs>
0: <sighs> well, I think the aliens are here and they have been all along. But their our ability to perceive them is only just now starting to become something that more people can do.
1: Do you think there are any humans that are aliens? Like you were talking about him and you're like, he's an alien. I, th- when I think of people like that, I think of people who like in their last go rounds, they were an alien. Like mm-hmm. they're like kind of one of those future people who like came back and yeah. the last like 10 lifetimes for them as aliens. And, and now, now so- they're a human
0: for the first time.
1: Yeah. So they like are trying to fit. They figure it out in a different way and they have different, uh, energetic perspectives.
0: I know we know people like that. I don't want to necessarily name them because it might this might be seen as an insult.
1: Well, the person who introduced me to the idea, I'll say her name because Amy DeBeer, uh, incredible singer-musician, she's like, I think this might be one of my first lifetimes as an alien, so please forgive me. As a human. As a human.
0: Yeah. And no, she, that's just, she straight up, she said, I think um, this is my first go through as a human. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, Amy, we're here for you. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure we've been doing it a long time. Well, Especially that's... you and I We did it as one person before Now we're trying it as two You know We've done it as three we, uh, Our next one We were saying Maybe we'll just be the same thing That'd be cool Yeah
1: No and that's where I think there's just Gotta be so much compassion For people Like I, I don't even feel like I need to know Like what is your trauma Why are you addicted Like life and and maybe just incarnate as a human is particularly difficult for someone Uh, yeah and we just need support and we need to support each other and our and our priority should be on helping each other out not you know
0: and when we have that support like we all flourish everybody flourishes everyone is an artist that's the thing everyone's an artist we're just like fucking caught up with some bullshit Mm -hmm. we're caught up with some bullshit and we're distracted
1: well because we're this extension of this bigger thing godhead this bigger godhead and you're an extension and so it's like do you want to be online for other people or do you are you going to be offline like are you gonna are you gonna spend your time scared and worried and not able to show people your connection to godhead or are you going to worry about whether or not you're connected to godhead mm. or whatever you know that's just
2: where i'm the <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yo, I got through this okay, though. I'm okay.
0: You're fucking fine.
1: I'm definitely blazied, but there's
0: like there's levels obviously with cannabis and with you in particular. There's a line that you definitely haven't crossed.
1: Yeah, the one where I get like totally locked up, like last night or two nights ago. I was like, I your can't. eyelids
0: are just down, and your eyes are red.
1: And I was like telling telling you my mom, I'm like, I will make dinner. Oh I just my to... God.
0: We, yeah, we recorded a church of chill episode and it was awesome. You guys were making these beautiful paintings and somewhere along the episode, it must've hit you because at the beginning of the episode, you looked fine by the end. You could barely open your eyes and you're like, I'll make dinner. It's fine. And it was eight fifteen at night. And the mission was for you to make macaroni and cheese, the vegan one that Annie's makes.
1: Yeah. Annie. Yeah.
0: And, uh, took you two hours and 15 minutes
1: i it's hard to believe that but it i took
0: also fuck <laughs> we were eating at ten thirty, macaroni and cheese out of a box yeah it fucking started at eight fifteen.
1: i have a real trouble asking for help or <laughs> we you know.
0: were helping but like we were also high but yeah no it we, just seemed yeah. like you had it handled
1: i was like i can handle this and then like between each thing i would do i'd have to like sit in the chair and you're be like,
0: like oh, sitting on the kitchen floor feels really nice <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it did feel really nice
0: yeah yeah well your paintings are that. that's I, I feel like it's really cute when you when you've almost taken too much of whatever and try to paint because it's like something different is going to come out and maybe it'll inspire you mm-hmm. but there was a looseness to what you were painting that I thought that really spoke to me
1: I feel that cannabis I might not be tapping into it right now Cause maybe cause I'm medicating cause I have pain and it's just like, le- it's really leveling me right now.
0: Like cramps. It helps with that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but cannabis, something about cannabis, you get like a lot of ideas and you can't necessarily hold on to them all, but yeah. you could probably subsist a month or a week. If you, if you were thoughtful about how you navigated that territory and maybe did an integration ceremony where you wrote some of that stuff down, mm-hmm. you could really, I mean, I feel like we've gone six months, six years off of particular mushroom trips where it's like, oh, this is, this is what's up. This is where we're at. This is who we are. This is what's important yeah. to us, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cannabis is, uh, is definitely that. Like it's sometimes there's, it's, there's too many ideas.
1: Yeah. That's why I'm like, you're in a flow and you're just like, oh, cool. Cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's like, uh, you know, those videos of like people like tapping those kegs, <laughs> Oh yeah, you yeah. Know, they're they're like and it's like a crowd of people at like a microbrewery and it's a bunch of like dad bods standing around like looking and it's like ding 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 and it's just like explodes. That's like when when the weed fucking when a proper dose of edibles hits you. That's the idea. So it's just like <sighs> But if you have discipline and um and you have some sort of like artistic focus in your life, oh my god, it's like it's the best and you know how to just take the ones that are that are proper. You know, you, you can sense the ones that are bullshit from a mile away, you know, and you know, like, oh, here's a proper one. This is worth fucking um, going down the flow chart wherever this is going to take me.
1: Totally. That's why it really clicked for me when I started thinking about anxiety in terms of, like, misplaced creativity. Yeah. Because you're, you're imagining, you're creating this universe where everything is going wrong and everything will go wrong. Or everything has go wrong and it, it's like that's your perspective and you're creating this this story and investing this story and, yep. you know, pushing away the story. And, and when I started to think about, I don't successfully always do this, but yeah, what, what I find when you just like sit in front and like be like, I'm going to take this and it's going to flow through my body out through my hand and yeah. we are going to let this get onto a page and get out of my body.
0: Well, I mean, uh, cannabis just reminds me and all of us that we are creativity. We are creativity. That's what we are. Mm. When that's stifled is when you start to see the shit hit the fan in someone's life. But we need to get it out. It's It's an energy that flows through all of us. And this place is healthier when we can express it.
1: That's why right now what's happening, which you just told me this, and I guess somehow I miss this, that protesters in order to get out of jail... (laughs) <laughs> when they're scooped up and thrown in jail are making are being made to sign uh, agreements or contracts that they won't go back onto the streets to protest. Mm. And so effectively expressing yourself at this time has become illegal
2: Yeah. and your
1: con the consequences. If you go and express yourself again, something that's like a time our honored American tradition. Yeah. Um, Yes, just I'm just thinking about that in context of creativity and how it's so important for people to not only express themselves on an individual level, but on a collective level.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Now's the time. (laughs) I'm going to spark one. Okay. Can we, um, this would be a good place to talk about, we got to clean up some business and anyone still listening are the people that care about us. Yeah. And listening. And care about this
1: kind of business. Yeah.
0: And care about this kind of business. But um, we have a show, Church of Chill. Mm-hmm. We have this show, the Variet podcast. And then we have Church of Chill, which is like our music show. It Like we were saying, we wanted a radio show and we didn't really feel like asking permission to do it. So we started just doing it. The powers that be don't like that. And we keep getting strikes on our SoundCloud. And our SoundCloud is the aggregator for the audio version. Of everything, it's on the same feed as the very podcast. So it sends
1: it to Spotify, Stitcher, and yeah, Sound, uh, to iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, sorry. So
0: um, basically, our account keeps getting fucked with. We already got dropped from Spotify once and lost seventy five hundred subscribers. Um, and now SoundCloud is starting to do its. Uh, just basically, like let, pull these
1: episodes that we're pull, not making money off of. Or, yeah, yeah, we're not
0: making money off of any of this stuff. But they're pulling down old Church of Chill episodes because there's copyrighted music in them. Obviously, that's all it is. Yeah. Which uh,
1: And I I respect yeah, that whatever. artists are, not yeah, we're not trying to take we it away We got away with it for this long. Yeah.
0: But uh, we want Church of Chill to continue. So we're going to have to figure out a way to do that. But in the meantime, if these episodes start disappearing, and they might very well have already be gone by the time you're hearing this. If they disappear off the feed, don't be alarmed. Um, there'll be a place where you could get them. We're just kind of figuring all this out.
1: Yeah, and also if you're listening on any of those feeds that we mentioned, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, uh, come on over to YouTube.
0: Yeah, that's the main thing you could do because, to help us right now Yeah, um, is, is subscribe to our YouTube if you dig this podcast. Because basically what we're going to have to do is um, we just don't want to be beholden to any one platform because they could too easily fuck with us, even YouTube. We're having our issues with YouTube. We're
1: not putting all our eggs in one basket.
0: Yes, we can't. um,
1: But if this goes away, there are other places to find us and we may just need to start over with our. Yeah. And we're open to suggestions. Yeah, Um, definitely.
0: Definitely open to suggestions. But um, also um, until 20 episodes ago, we were playing popular music during the podcast. So we might have to delete those episodes too. So if you're this type of person, we've heard some people are going through the whole catalog. God knows what would possess somebody to do that. But if you're one of these people and you're only on episode 150-something or whatever and this disappears, I'm just saying with peace and love, this is why. So we might have to clear everything off our SoundCloud and audio feed of this podcast uh, from episode 180 to beyond and, and before that.
1: Yeah, so if you're listening to us now and have been listening to us, uh, thank you. That's uh, been awesome. Yeah, it's kept us you. going and, and yeah. feeling like this is even a thing that we can keep doing.
0: Subscribe and... to the YouTube, youtube.com veryape. Yeah. We have all of our films on there besides Cam Girls, which uh, is uncensored on our website, veryape.tv.
1: I believe on our website, you can, if you log in or go onto our website, veryape.tv, there will be a place where you can s- subscribe to our mailing list and
0: yeah maybe we'll use that one day maybe we'll
1: use that one day (laughs) it doesn't hurt
0: it doesn't hurt but uh yeah subscribing to our mailing list is another it's a a safety net for us i
1: don't remember the last time we sent an email we wouldn't send
0: an email unless it was like yo we just got pulled off all the platforms and uh i don't know i i feel like this podcast is and always has been for us a way of making new friends and growing the family and having a cool network of people we don't want you to be a fan of ours we want you to be a friend of ours and if you listen to this podcast you probably feel like you know us well and we'd love to get to know you well so keep in touch we love you honestly everyone that's reached out to us like
1: yeah no we and we feel the shit we feel the energy too right yeah. now it's it's uh i know everyone's going through a lot so
0: let's be here for each other yeah let's be here for each other this is like something we can offer but we'd love to offer more And see what you're offering. So be in touch, you know. Cool. Cool? Cool. Cool, mate. Cool, mate. Well, let's smoke one for all our homies. Mm Mm-hmm. George Clinton, Frank Zappa, Ween, Bob Dylan, Prince. The Grateful Dead. Diary of Planet. (laughs) (sighs) The Descendants
1: That's a great show Sturgill Simpson
0: Sturgill Simpson Kurt Vile So good
1: Brick and Mortar
0: Jeffrey Lewis
1: Yeah we'll have him on soon hopefully Josh Craig Yeah Johnny Fritz Yeah
0: Father John Misty, yeah. Some good shows.
1: Rolling Stones. <laughs>
0: it's the Rolling Stones. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood, <laughs> yeah.
1: John Mayer.
0: Let's leave it at that. Like that cool. <laughs> We're gonna leave it at John Mayer, Johnny Salami, yep. old Salami Boy, <laughs> sexy Jerry. Yeah cool very podcast. podcasts thanks for joining us this was meant to be a chill one thanks for fucking chilling with us peace and love
1: peace and love